Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Robert A. Bell about leveraging creativity to live and work more abundantly. Robert Bell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have the chance to chat. Um, You you have a really interesting and unique background. And today we're going to be discussing how we can leverage creativity to be able to live and work more abundantly. And I know you do a lot of work in this area, so it's going to be a fascinating fascinating conversation. Um, But also, uh, I know you... Uh, are in Kenya. And I believe you're the first Kenyan that I've ever interviewed on this podcast. So I'm excited about that and excited to have the chance to, um, to extend the reach of, of our listenership and, and hopefully help you out with the work that you're doing there in Kenya as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. I'm very honored to be perhaps the first person you're interviewing from Kenya. And yes, I'm very passionate about human development and ready to get into this. Excellent. As we get started, I just wanted to read Robert's bio for everyone. Robert A. Bell is a transformational speaker, author, and ACCA qualified accountant. He helps people who feel stuck in their career or life journey to break away from the norm and find new paths that reveal their true value. He focuses on dismantling the line between licensed professionals and the creative world. Robert is a winner of the 2019 Advocate of the Year Award by the ACCA for his work assisting other accountants um, to embrace their creativity and reach new growth potentials, both personally and professionally. He is on a global mission to help individuals who feel inferior and have given up on their dreams to think freely, create unapologetically, and live abundantly. Uh, Again, such an honor to be with you today, Robert. Thank you for joining us. As we get started with our discussion today, is there anything you would like to share with listeners in terms of personal background, um, personal context around uh, and framing around your, your uh, expertise? All right. Um, thank you so much for that great introduction. I, I, the one thing that I wanted to highlight you to mention about it is that I am a proud accountant. <laughs> I'm a very proud accountant, but not your stereotypical accountant who just sits in the back office. So I'm what you want to call a mix of both worlds. So I play just in between licensed professionals and the creative world, and I've established my presence there. So that's, I've spent some time in sales and marketing. I've spent some time across the entire spectrum, you know, from least creative to most creative. And I'm just right now smack in the middle, trying to pull everyone to find their sweet spot. (laughs) Excellent. Um, 
I, I think that's awesome. And we do need those sorts of bridge builders. Um, I, I think in various aspects of life, it's important to have the people who sit in that kind of uncomfortable area in between, you know, uh, whether that's interdisciplinary work, cross-functional work in this situation, kind of creative work versus analytical work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think all of that's super important. So, so let's start with the idea of creativity. How do you define creativity? Um, and again, I think it's a, a unique thing that, you know, a, a certified accountant does a <laughs> lot of work in creativity. Um, obviously accountants can be creative just like anyone else. So I, I'm not trying to like put a stereotype on that. Um, but I do think that's not typically what people think of. Um, so, so it's, it's a unique kind of personal life experience that you bring to this conversation. So what is creativity to you and why is it important as we try to live our best lives? I, I like how you said that it's very unique situation that I play, you know, that area that I play in. And for me, creativity is precisely that it's unique. It's not just unique, it's personal. Um, a lot of people define creativity with coming up with ideas, but for me, it's deeper than that. There's, there's a deeper dimension to creativity. And I say that it's an identity extractor. For me, creativity really challenges you to go to the depths of your imagination, the depths of your curiosity, to bring out your unique connections, your unique combination of things. I mean, creativity is too, if you look at it from a binary perspective, you know, something that's novel and something that's useful. And I can tell you that something that is very novel is the ideas and the dreams that each and every one of us have. has. It's very unique and it's very personal. So for me, creativity is not just simply connecting dots, but it's connecting dots in a way in which you as an individual see them connecting. There's endless possibilities in how we can connect and how we can bring up ideas, especially when it's mixed with our experience, our environment, our culture, so many other factors. There's just so many unique combinations that can come out of that. Yeah. So I, you know, I think, I think that's amazing. Um, identity extractor. I think that's a great way of framing it. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. We all have, you know, we're all a, an amalgamation of different identities, right? So a lot of times we try to pigeonhole someone. We say, oh, that person's an accountant. So that means they're this way, or this person is, you know, uh, an artist. So that means they're this way, but we have different pieces of ourselves and we have different identities and, and we're balancing those out. And so that's what you're doing in the current role that you play, you know, where you, you have, just like all of us, we, you know, we have creative minds, we have analytical minds, we have different components, different aspects of ourselves. And it's just a matter of, of maximizing and capitalizing on, you know, what we have and sometimes flexing that muscle a little bit and stretching ourselves. Um, because sometimes I think we get, we get creativity beat out of us a little bit through life. Um, we start out as kids as very creative, very innovative, um, uh, we're very into make-believe and you give us uh, some simple toys and we can keep ourselves entertained, you know, for hours and, and make up games and, and, and uh, fun activities. Um, and then over time though, we kind of get normalized, you know, we, we get socialized into kind of these structures and systems and processes and thinking about, you know, this is acceptable behavior, this isn't. And so all of that, um, conformity kind of in some ways can drive some of that creativity out of us if we're not careful. Um, and then we sometimes forget as we get older that, yeah, we, we are creative beings. We, we had creativity when we were younger. We all did. 
and we can still have creativity. And sometimes we just need to learn to reflex that muscle, um, even if we tend to think of ourselves as a very analytical type of a person. Absolutely. Um, I mean, not only is the creativity is be- beaten out of us, I say that it's stolen from us. You know, <laughs> I, I take a very, um, how can I say, <laughs> a very interesting position when I say that it's stolen from us. Because when something is stolen from you, it's taken without your permission. And we, we don't really freely give up our creativity. It's, we have to give it up so that we can fit in. We have to give it up so that we can comply. We have to give it up so that we can shape and become you know, that output, you know, that the, the normal situation or normal distribution requires of us. And so over time, it really gets stolen from us because we give it up without even knowing what we're giving up. So much so that when we become older, we start, you know, confessions such as I'm not creative. I'm not creative. And the second part of that is we then are socialized to limit creativity to artistic expression. And that's why I say that creativity is an identity extractor. It, as you said, we have different identities and our professions should never be the source of our identities. Actually, they cannot be the source of our identities. They're just an expression of our identity. And that's why I, people say, okay, now that you're championing creativity, why do you still carry the label you know, of, of an accountant? And I said, no, it's, it's not a label because label brings with it limitations. It's just um, a description of my identity. It's not a definition of my identity. So when we engage our creativity, we're helping to bring out other parts of us that have been buried or hidden or just totally undiscovered by trying new things, by exploring and learning transferable skills, like what you mentioned, you know, cross-functional knowledge, interdisciplinary knowledge. That's who we're meant to be as human beings. We're never meant to be pigeonholed into one single career, one single profession, but that's just how we were, you know, educated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think having that that recognition, that understanding of the of the uh, creativity piece is essential. Now let's talk a little bit more about the abundant life, um, and and we can talk about the abundant life in terms of personal life, our home life, but also our work life. How do we? Um, I, well, first of all, I guess what what does that mean to you? What is the abundant life? And then how do we connect creativity to living more abundantly? Right. Yeah, I think we should definitely look at now, what does it mean to, you know, be living abundantly, whether in the personal life or the professional life? Um, Before I look at each one separately, just on a general high level view that when we talk about living abundantly, you know, abundance means more than enough. Um, It means that you are never running out of something. And the one thing that we never run out of as human beings are ideas, we never run out of ideas. We never run out of questioning, except when we get to the point where we're stuck. When we get to the point where we're stuck, a lot of us stop there. And that's where we cease to live abundantly. The more questions we ask, the more experiences we have, the more experimentations we try, is the more we move towards living abundantly. And abundantly doesn't necessarily mean being the richest person in the world, because at times we start to go down that path. Living abundantly means that you are able to continuously shift. You're able to continuously manage the terrain of uncertainty. You're continuously able to learn new skills. Neuroscientists tell us, tells us that that's neuroplasticity, that our brain has the ability to continuously shift, to continuously change, to adapt, to create new neural connections. 
And that's just the way our brains are wired to grow. The brain does not grow by mere consumption of knowledge. It's about creation and cognition. And that's what it means to live abundantly, that no matter what situation we're put into, we're able to thrive and live abundantly, not just mainly get by. So if we look at it professionally, you can stick me in any function in a, in a business, right? And I'm able to take the skills that I've learned from either accounting, from sales, from wherever, and apply it in that function and come up with ideas. I may not necessarily be the most technical person, right? And oftentimes we think that living abundantly is restricted to technical knowledge, but it goes beyond that. Living abundantly goes beyond collaborating. It's about awareness. It's about knowing where the dots are and, find, and learning how they can connect. So that's what it will mean to live abundantly on a professional side. And then on our personal side, it goes back again to learning new skills, to having different experiences. Imagine when you travel to a new state, a new city, or even a new country, a new culture, your mind opens up to just new possibilities. Like, oh, okay, this is how people live. You know, like I live here in Kenya. So if you were to come to Kenya or anyone was to come to Kenya, you'd be like, hmm, very interesting. You get some ideas and your brain starts to focus and make connections that were not obvious. And when you go home, you're like, hmm, maybe I should start doing this in my house, or maybe I should do this, or I should try this cuisine, or I should put this um, herb or this whatever fruit, <laughs> you know, into my diet because that brings, you know, brain nutrition. Because when you're looking at nutrition, we never, we don't restrict and say you should only eat this because it's found in your country. No, we say that this is the best for your body. This is the best for your health. This is the best for your wellness. And it doesn't matter where it comes from on this planet. You go and take it, you absorb it, you utilize it. And, and that's what living abundantly on a personal level means is being open to ex new experiences, being open to engaging the non-obvious aspects of life. Yeah, I like that. And, and I think it means that we're, we are open to um, new directions in terms of mindfulness, our physical health, our emotional and spiritual health, uh, all those sorts of things. So we're all raised, um, you know, within a certain context. And because of that, we have certain beliefs and values that are part of who we are. Um, but as we get older and we get exposed to more diversity and we see people from different cultures, different geopolitical, socioeconomic contexts. We, we see people from different uh, spiritual or faith um, backgrounds or perspectives. Um, you know, we, we see people who, who look at dietary and physical health types of issues differently. And I think all of that then can push us to consider perhaps new creative ways to live our life in, an, a, more, in a more abundant way. Um, I think the, the fundamental aspect of creativity is that we don't feel bound, we don't feel constrained, right? We don't feel bound by this preset um, type of circumstance that we find ourselves in. But, but if we have a creative mindset, that means we have an exploratory mindset. We, we recognize, you know, that the world is infinitely uh, diverse and abundant in itself. And in that, you know, it's, there's so much out there to explore and to, to learn. And so we, we're not going to restrict ourselves to um, perhaps the limitations of previous ways of understanding or knowing the world or interacting with the world around us. And that's not to say that we're not going to 
we, we don't need to like get rid of all of our beliefs and values just because, you know, we're exposed to new things. Um, but it means, it means that we, we can, we can start to recognize the value that other backgrounds and perspectives have, and we can add them to our own, you know, we can, we can start to create, um, our, our own unique, um, value system based on both our upbringing, but also on what we experience in the world around us. Absolutely. And you know, a belief can only be strengthened when it's questioned and not questioned in terms of whether it's right or wrong, but the relevance, you know, what can I gain from this? Just like what you said, you know, different environments, um, different geopolitical exposures, you start to question and you realize, all right, this is my position. Why is your position like this? And, and you, you have to question the way things are. And I did that a lot throughout my career. I used to always question, why do we do things the way we do it? Because I was just of the opinion that every organization really and truly wants to deliver on its vision and its mission. <laughs> but I was very shocked when I entered the corporate, the corporate world where you just do a job, you have no idea how this relates to the bigger vision. You have no idea how you're contributing to the strategic direction of the organization, regardless of your level. And that used to frustrate, you know, just frustrate me because like, what then what is my purpose? You know, what, what am I doing here? How do I fit into the bigger picture? And when you question things, you realize, all right, I need to be able to help this organization or help my relationship or help my family members get to a different position. And you know, when you live abundantly, you can't live creatively and abundantly without having emotional well-being. You have to be able to be able to be more mindful and you know be observant of the emotions of your emotions and the emotions of others and what triggers you and what you do that triggers someone else. And, and that's how the creative journey is. You know, neuroscientists also tell us that when we're in this constant flight or fight mode, we are full of stress. There's just so much cortisol running through our bodies. What happens in our brains is that the limbic system just takes over and they say downshifting happens. We start to use the lower part of our brains where, emo we, where the emotions are driving our thinking, our actions. And when you use the upper part of your brain, and, and when you downshift, you don't get the excitement of a new challenge. And so you fight and you fight for things to be exactly the way they are. And throughout this period post, or I don't know whether to say post, or where, where, where we are in this pandemic, but I pay very close attention to heads of states or press conferences and everyone, a lot of people initially step saying, we're going, we, I can't wait to go back to normal. I can't wait to go back to normal. And I've been trying to draw people's attentions that when we say that we are pretty much not living in abundance because we want to go back to way, the way things were because we know how to operate there. So we, we don't have the excitement of a, of a new norm. And I'm not saying we should be excited about loss of life or you know, any, anything like that. But we should not be too detached when we face such levels of uncertainty. That's when we have to kick in the higher functioning parts of our brains and come up with solutions, come, come up with ideas. And I've been saying this for a while now that the government is not going to bring us to this situation, right? Governments are good with executing, creating infrastructure and giving us the machinery. This has to come from us as the citizens. We have to collaborate. We have to collate. We have to then hold governments accountable. The ideas are going to come from us. 
because we know um, where we're, we're, we're hurting. We know the pains that we have. We can't sit back and just expect that to happen. And that happens even in a corporate setting. So a lot of employees are disgruntled and they sit back expecting that the senior leadership knows why they're disgruntled and they should fix it. But creativity means to question, to engage. It's not fearing to fail. It's not fearing to discover. It's not fearing to put yourself out there. It's not fearing to raise your hand and say, hey, I have an idea. It's not fearing to go to someone and say, I've observed this challenge. How can we work at it? So I'm wondering, you know, in terms of my personal life, I, I think a lot of what you shared, you know, is, is really, you know, great insights that I can try to apply to myself and even in my home. But what, what about me as a leader? So I'm, I'm in an organization. I have a team of people. I, I want to live more abundantly. I want to work more abundantly. I want to be creative. I want to have more creativity. But how do I help to foster that kind of an environment in the workplace with my people, with my teams? I mean, if you're a leader, the number one thing that your job is to provide the environment, the psychologically safe environment for your employees to bring out their creativity. That's number one priority. If someone doesn't feel safe, if someone doesn't feel like the environment is safe enough for them to fail, if they don't feel like they can trust you, then it doesn't matter the number of workshops that you put on. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. You will never go anywhere. So how do you develop this trust? How do you develop psychological safety? By being vulnerable, by trying something together and showing them by example, this may work, this may not work and being very open when something has failed. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges leaders have in organizations is being able to be a bit vulnerable. And I'm not saying to show weakness. There's a very big difference. As a, as a matter of fact, vulnerability is strength. By coming to my team and says, listen guys, we had this direction, we had this objective, we didn't achieve it. Um, let's do a diagnosis of what happened. Let's work together to fix it. You know, employees will feel, all right, if you are willing to admit when something didn't work out right, then, you know, I, I feel a bit, a little bit tad safer that, you know, I can come to you and we can explore. But leadership requires you making the first step. Leadership requires allowing, you know, giving people that level of trust, allowing people to, knowing your people. The only how you can build trust with someone is by knowing them. You know, in, 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 the, in the corporate world, you have to be able to know. And I don't mean, um, knowing every bio data, but it's understanding and knowing them. How does this person work? When do they prefer to work? How do they prefer to work? That's something that a leader needs to be able to understand. And even if an employee doesn't know that, is using your leadership skills to realize employee A seems to prefer working, you know, in the mornings, right? And if I call afternoon meetings, I'm likely not to get, you know, a lot of suggestions or a lot of productivity out of him. Right? So it's, it's knowing and understanding the dynamics. Yes, that's what I want to say, the dynamics of the team and leveraging on that, allowing people to fail, allowing people to give ideas. I mean, the classic example that we, we always cite in our creativity world is example of 3M, where they allow the employees 15% of their, their time to work on passion projects, if you want to call it. And from that came the adhesive that eventually formed the post-it notes, you know, and when, when employees can see, look, even in failure, that there's progress, then this is great. Just learning the lessons because failure has feedback. So I think the best way for you to do it as a leader is by allowing failure, 
but showing them that failure is feedback is not punitive. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And it's all, like you said, it's all about creating the environment, creating the safe space, uh, creating the context, providing the environment um, that people can engage in, that they can be creative in, that they can, um, you know, fail in, uh, fail forward, uh, fail fast, uh, learn from, from the failures and reframe, really reframe the failures. They're not actually failures at all. They're, but they're, their learnings, right? Their their development and their their successes in embryo. You know, as as we as we have something not work out the way we thought it should, that's the next thing that will propel us into our next great breakthrough. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because um, and the last bonus tip I'll say is that as a leader, if you really want to get your team more creative, is focus less on measuring the inputs and focus more on measuring the output. Allow people that flexibility to get it done in their unique way. That's what creativity is about. And, you know, we've moved from the, the indust third industrial re revolution where we are focusing on productivity, where we can directly correlate someone's time and attendance to their output. Not in this fourth industrial revolution. As a matter of fact, if the longer I stay at work um, is the more productive I'm becoming, then that's an issue. That's an efficiency issue. I should be spending less and less time on a task you know, and getting more and more output because I should be leveraging on technology. I should be leveraging on ideas. I should be becoming better at it. So a leader needs to allow people to find their way, set the benchmarks, set the output and let them figure it out. Not like, Hey, John, you have to be at your desk. You know, you, you gotta be that. So, you know, just, just trying to find what the outputs are and giving them more of the input that they need. Some people need um, um, a feedback loop. They need um, immediate feedback. Some people don't like immediate feedback. They want to work through the process. So it's just understanding that. So focus more on the outputs as opposed to focusing on the inputs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Robert, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. We're about out of time, uh, but this has been a super fun conversation and I'm sad that it's coming to an end. So perhaps I can have you back on sometime so we can continue uh, and explore other aspects of this. Um, but before we close for today, I just want to give you a chance to get the last word and to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about what you're doing. Oh, I can't imagine that we're finished with the interview. I certainly would love to come back. We were just getting warmed up <laughs> in our conversation. Um, so my last word definitely will be that creativity is the most, is the number one in-demand soft skill. And as an accountant, the reason why I continue to champion creativity because when I started my practice um, in accountancy, I noticed that we did so many things manually and I had no research to back my, my gut feeling, but I just had this intuition that there's going to come a time where all this manual work will be automated. And this was like in the late nineties and early two thousands when computers were starting to come aboard. And that's been my mantra all through. If I'm doing anything that is manually intensive, then I'm wasting my time. And I want to challenge people that you have to learn how to break from this manual routine and take a step back and continuously disrupt yourself. That's what would be my last word. We need to find ways to continuously disrupt ourselves. And the only way you can do that is if you trust yourself. You have to be able to trust your ideas. In the corporate setting, you have to be able to trust your team. You have to be able to give them targets, give them assignments, and just let them figure it out. That's what would be my last word. And people can connect with me. Um, one through my website, www.robertabell.com. Bell is B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. 
You can find me on social media platforms. I'm on YouTube, Robert A. Bell. I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Robert A. Bell. Uh, a few variations. I think in Instagram, there's no space. So it's Robert underscore A underscore Bell. But you type Robert A. Bell, you'll find me there. Please feel free to reach out and let me know your thoughts on this podcast. Excellent. Thank you, Robert. Again, it's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out to Robert, get connected, find out ways that you might be able to collaborate with him um, and, and work together to foster greater creativity and live more abundantly. Uh, as we close today, I just want to uh, encourage everyone to continue to think about uh, mindfulness practices, uh, how to foster creativity and innovation to to lead to greater productivity and, and, and stronger leadership within organizations. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that everyone can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.